Welcome to the afternoon morning show. Afternoon morning show. Afternoon morning show. It's got such a great ring to it. It just sounds sensible, which is why it's appealing, I guess. My name is Chris Mueller. I am joined, as always, by the lovely and talented Vinny Kiyomko. Yeah. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. I don't know. Lovely and talented. You are talented. I am talented, lovely. I don't know. I think that's into the person. I think it takes a little bit. I mean, deserving of love. I'm like, des- deserving of love. You are. I mean, you know, like, you know. I like to think I'm deserving of love. Inspiring of love? I don't know. What is, you know, what is lovely mean? I know. Hey, I so. That's, that's a big question. So kind of exciting news. <laughs> I, I just uh, recently have signed on to be part of a regular weekly Catholic radio show called Trending. Yeah. Um, we'll be talking about kind of news stories of the day, which is similar in format to what the we do here. afternoon morning show. So I think what we've decided is on the afternoon morning show, we'll talk about stories we can't talk about on Catholic radio. Yes. So with that, Vinny, you have discovered something about a new saint. Yes. He's not a new saint. He's not. A, no, he's not, a, he's not a new saint. But it's something that I did not know. And since we are in the Lenten season and this gentleman is about to come into play as we hit Holy Week. Um, Saint Longinus, I Which believe. I believe is pronounced Longinus. Longinus, but I refuse to say it that way. <laughs> um, is, at all costs. <laughs> okay, Longinus does have an anatomical It, it really does. It, it does. Um, so Longinus. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually the centurion that had uh, put that had thrust the spear into the side of Christ. Um, and what a weird way to become a saint. Like, I, yeah. You know, he didn't kill Jesus, but he, he made sure he was dead. Yeah. You know? and, and that was one of those things to where um, was, and I was, I was reading this cause somebody had posted it on Instagram. Um, and as I was reading it, 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 I just, I'm so astounded by the fact that even at his death, Christ still called people around him to be saints. Yeah. And the people who were involved in it in itself unknowingly had become saints. A true, now I'm trying to remember, and uh, you know, I'm a biblical scholar here. Uh, isn't Longinus the one stabs him, blood and water comes out, the ground shakes. And yes. Truly this was the son this of God. This was the son of, yeah. Right, okay. So he has that <clears throat> proclamation. Yeah, that proclamation. Right. Um, but um, what was discovered um in, in later um, writings was that um, when the blood and water that had gushed forth from the Lord, um, actually when it hit him in the face. So prior to this, um, this saint had been in many battles because he was a Roman centurion right. um, and had gone blind in one of his eyes, right? Due okay. to battle. Yeah. And as the blood and water hit his face, he was instantaneously given his sight back in that eye again. Wow. Yeah. And after his proclamation of truly this is the son of God, um, him and the other centurions that were with him, um, it sounds like there were only two others that were with him, um, decided that they were going to put their sword down um, and leave, going to leave um, the Roman Empire. Um, And so from then on, as they traveled, they, uh, they were preaching you know, yeah. about about the Lord and, and, and all the things that he had done uh, and finally settling um, on his father's estate, a huge plot of land. Um, and then after Pilate, having found out about him, sent um, some centurions after him, right? Okay. So there's these three guys, including uh, St. Longinus, 
Um, or Longinus. Like Longinus. Har- like Harrisman. Har- yeah, exactly. Which <laughs> um, is one's more proper than the other. Um, they came after him to behead him. But he met them before they got to got to his place mm-hmm. and said, yeah, and invited them in, f- fed them. And then as they went, went to bed, he stayed up all night to pray. And then in the morning when they woke up, he told them who he was. Yeah. And they were like, oh, man, we, now we feel awful. We can't do this. Mm-hmm. Looks at the both of them. It looks at the, the men that were there to kill, the, kill him and goes, no, you were given an order. Do it. Interesting. Yeah, and so him and the two men that had left after the crucifixion, all three of them were beheaded out of honor and are technically martyrs. Interesting. Now, I'm looking at from Catholic Online, where I see a same story of St. Longinus. Um, it says he converted, left the army, took instruction from the apostles, and became a monk in Cappadocia, which is a fun place to be, Cappadocia. in Cappadocia. Cappadocia. Uh, he was arrested for his faith. His teeth were forced out and tongue cut off. However, St. Longinus miraculously continued to speak clearly and managed to destroy several several idols in the presence of the governor. Right, the governor who was made blind by the demons that came from the idols had his sight restored when Saint Longinus was being beheaded because his blood came into contact with the governor's eyes. Like, now here's interesting though. This guy, Saint Longinus, his this guy. the the spear that he used is actually enshrined mm-hmm. in pillars in Saint Peter's. or believed to be enshrined in the pillars of Saint Peter. So wow, this it guy just, is like. He's like B.A. Like, this guy's just, oh, just, man. He's a so man. I don't care how far you think you are from the Lord. Uh, this is a man who literally, like, okay, so Christ died for all of our sins. My sin drove the nails of Christ's crucifixion. Yes, yes, yes. But this guy literally took, a, like, a, a spear. If, if there was anybody that would have been Jesus. thrown under the bus, it was this guy because yeah. he had to. Well, and I just think about that. Baptism. I mean, when was he baptized? From the side of Christ. Literally. What? Like. St. Longinus. Bruh, he's the, he is the dude. Yeah. So he there you is go. the dude. When like, is his feast day? Does he have a feast day? Uh, he does. It is, from what I can read, I swear I can read. consulting the interwebs. Interwebs. Longinus. Um, March 15th. March 15th. So it has passed. Oh, well, we missed it. It's March 19th it. today when we're recording this. <laughs> Mark that on your calendars. And I yeah. think, I think uh, we should all walk around stabbing each other in the sides with uh, toothpicks in, mem- in memory of St. <laughs> Longinus. They look like little swords. Little swords. Well, you can get those like sandwich gears. Yeah, sandwich yeah, gears. Yeah, I would love that. Dude, I always thought those were so cool when I was a kid. Yeah. Like I would ask my mom to get me a box of those because nope. I always lost all of my Star Wars figures lightsabers. <laughs> so those are the next best thing when, would be those little. When Luke Skywalker turns into a pirate. Absolutely. <laughs> little it's, plastic cutlass. It's still green. It's, it's still green. <laughs> Touche. Good enough, man. Touche. That's what you say when you're oh, Saint of the day. That's Saint just so good. of the day. Well, hey, you know, some interesting stuff coming out. You know, we... um. I am of Generation X, you know, on the tail end of Generation X, uh, born in the 1970s, mm-hmm. coming of age in the 1990s. Um, you are safely a millennial. Safely a millennial. Safely a millennial. <laughs> um, and there's some interesting um, stuff coming out on how millennials are marrying. And I think some of this we know. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, millennials, what we're seeing is millennials are getting married later and later. And so I just saw this from the Pew Research Center talking about the difference between the millennials and what we would call the silence or the greatest generation. Now, that would be people who are ages 17 and older would be that greatest generation mm. type. Millennials would be ages 21 to 36. And what they were saying is uh, the marital status. What we're seeing is at this point, you know, at this point, um, the silence or the greatest generation, 52% of them were married. 
right? And they're in their twenties mm. and thirties. They're all like at this point, um, millennials only 30, 37% are married. So it's almost exactly flip-flopped, right? There's 57% unmarried of millennials, never married, whereas um, there were 52% married, silence. And I, so I, I, we, we kind of know this, that people are putting off marriage until later and later. And what we're seeing in Generation Z um, coming up after, I hate all these stupid generation names, by the way. Because it would make sense that I'm Generation X, you'll be Generation Y, right. and then these kids would be, be Generation, generation Z. Z. But no, you're millennials Millennial. because you're special because the world didn't end. In Y2K. Hey, I think Um, the world didn't end. You're welcome. (laughs) But, you know, it's interesting that, you know, you were saying is that Generation Z is thinking even less about marriage. Oh, yeah. And I wonder, you know, here's my, here's what I'm positing. And and if you're a millennial listening to this, maybe, or you can, you can comment on it in Facebook or Twitter or whatever you're, wherever you're catching us in, in the afternoon morning show. Um, I think that parents like me, Generation X parents, um, and even even late boomers, right? We were so busy helicopter parenting our kids um, that we've just made the idea of having children look terrible, terrible. right? Yeah. Like mom and dad are always so stressed driving everybody everywhere. And now kids like the millennials think that that's what parenting is. And so you look at like, do you want to have a kid? You're like, no, I don't want to be a show yeah. for the next 30 years, you know? Huh. I don't know. I mean, I, what, what's your take? Why do you think? Well, no, that? I've I've heard the exact same thing from from people like, oh no, I don't want kids, and it's several things. Yeah, I don't I don't want to spend my life carting kids around. Or number two, look at how bad the world is. Why would I bring, you know, a, a, another human being into this world with how bad it is? And that that's the one that I have the biggest issue with. It yeah. just just mainly because it's like, well, then raise better. Well, I believe the children are the future. Teach them all and let them lead the way. I feel like we needed inspirational music. Yeah, I know. Gosh, yeah. in the background. It was great. That was a good. You know, quoting Whitney Houston is maybe not the best. Concern. She, <laughs> she died of an overdose in a bathtub. But um, this is yeah. Just is that is that technically copyrighted? Even though you speak it, I don't know. Well, no, I think we'd have to play. We would have to play it. Yeah, but I, I, you know, there is. Uh, I don't want to say selfishness because I don't. I don't know that that's necessarily it. I just think that the what what parenting has become isn't necessarily what parenting is. And it's not sustainable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, because I, – and I, I hate saying it this way, but parents, please step up and stop being your kids' friends. You're not their friends. Stop trying to be their friends. Like growing up, like my parents were never my friends. Did I love them? Yes. Did we have a lot of fun together? Yes. But also when I was being a little butthead, yeah. they let me know I was being a little butthead. Well, and you know, they weren't like – Oh, we, well, we don't want to hurt Johnny's feelings. Right. Well, no, 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 no. Hurt my feelings because if, if that didn't happen, yeah. I would be much more of a menace now. Well, and I think the key is you if you're not your, your kid's best friend, what happens is as they grow up, when they are adults, then you can be friends, right? Because you've, they, you've, you've given mm-hmm. them what they need to, to do well in this world, you know? Um, but if you're, if you're your best friend the whole time, you're an enabler and you're, yeah. and you're no good. Oh, you're yeah. not really helping them out that much, so... Yeah, it's interesting. You know, so there's a parenting part of, of marriage. I think that's part of it is that millennials just, um, I, I don't know. I think personally, if you watch Gen X or Baby Boomers parent, you're going to get the impression that this is just, it, it's terrible. There's also the, the, I think the economic <clears throat> aspect of it. Right? Oh, completely. Because like, we had the the whole, uh, what do we what do we call it? The, it wasn't, it wasn't a depression. It was a 
recession. recession. Yes, the the Great Recession, which is you know most of our millennials have come a, come of age during that. Yeah, um, and and a lot of insecurity. I mean, how many people listening here did your parents lose their house? Oh um, yeah, how many yeah. times did you have to move in that time just to right just to really kind of make ends meet on that one? Right. I mean, you know, so you have the mortgage crisis, the recession, and so life feels very unstable. Um, and so that idea of getting married is kind of scary and overwhelming, maybe, right? Um, and, and okay, so what what other things could this possibly be? Um, okay, so there's this idea of me, again, I'm going to blame parents like myself. We don't let our kids fail, so our kids are mm. scared to fail um, or they don't know how okay. to fail. And marriage is such a huge commitment that the thought of screwing it up, I think, sometimes keeps people from doing it, mm-hmm. right? They're jumping in because if, if you, how, how can you mess up bigger than if you mess up your marriage? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, that, these are all kind of interesting things. I, it, so, I mean, I, obviously, I'm a Gen X, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm married, uh, 15 years, six kids, upgraded from minivan to actual van. Yeah. <laughs> like giant van. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like delivery, like delivery style van. van. We could drop off packages and no one question. And no one it. question. It. No yeah. one question it. So I don't know, man. Just put I, the family name on the it, side of the car. It's an interesting thing. You know, what's also interesting about millennials is is now we're seeing that there are more um, millennials graduating. There are more female millennials graduating with a college degree than there are males graduating with a college degree. And that's new too. That you're now having higher education. Yeah, but I can. Female but dominated. I can totally see that. No, why can you totally see that? Well, I mean, look at okay. You look at at the way society is currently structured, in the sense of, you know, if a guy looks at a woman wrong, he's automatically at fault. And that, I mean, this that's maybe maybe a bad example, but like when most of the time a man is villainized. Yeah. When it comes to interactions with another woman, whether it's warranted or not that whether he actually did what he did and it's not making any excuses for when when stupid guys do terrible things to nice women, you know, I'm, that's that's not making excuses for them. But like in a society that is very much in the process of demasculating men in order to make them more understanding of how women feel, yeah. you know, and that's and that's not, that's not the bad thing. I think it's good that we're having more millennial women graduate and do those things it's good but i think like you get those teachers in schools especially on on the grade school level and they're like oh well he's a guy so he's just being a guy so he obviously must have done it right you know, you know? and so- i think there's a discouragement to achieve because they're just going to assume that i'm already like that Right. And I think the question we got to ask is, you know, you look at at previous times and you could say maybe the deck was stacked against young women. Mm-hmm. The edu- educational system wasn't open into women. And so you have the, um, you know, the, the feminism comes to rise. And at least I know my whole life, it's always been this, you know, um, there's been a lot of like girl oriented. You can do anything you want to and put yeah. your mind to it. And, and I mean, kind of glorifying like female astronauts or, or this, that and the other thing, which is all good. Um, but have we gotten to a point now where the playing field isn't even, where it's now stacked against guys? Mm-hmm. Rather than bringing everything into balance, we've now kind of said— Shifted it the other yeah, direction. Yeah, is our educational system more geared towards female learning than it is towards men? Because the reality is men and women are different. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to shake anybody's tree right there, but— you know, What? We're, well, we're a little different in the way we do What? I just know with my kids—okay, so I've got like, I've got a bunch of kids, and I've got, you know, four boys, two girls— um, and I can tell you right out that my girls do really well in the classroom. Like they just, mm-hmm. they just do really well in the classroom and teachers love them. My boys are a little bit busier and I don't, you know, and they don't do as well in the classroom. Um, 
And I don't know if that's just personality. You know, it's not a very big sample size. We've got two girls and four boys and two boys in school and two girls mm-hmm. in school. But I've heard this from other people too, that it, you know, that you look at now that we have this, this um, uh, you, you know, that their genders are mixed in the classroom, that we tend to, you know, you, the girls are adapt better to a classroom environment than boys do. And so they get more attention. You know, um, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called Outliers and fantastic book, but he was looking at why, you know, uh, you know, why people achieve, like what's the science mm-hmm. of greatness and uh, essentially. And what they saw was that people with birthdays in a certain month tended to be all-stars. Like really? in, in sports. So if you were the oldest kid in your class, you had a tendency to be the all-star, um, make the all-star team. And then that sort mm. of stuff just compounded, right? Because like if you got, if you were the oldest in, in like Pony League, when you were like a little kid playing baseball, then you were probably a little bit more um, coordinated. So you got more attention. So then you made all-stars. Then you had a whole longer season. You got more mm. attention. And that just continued to compound over time. So the time you get to high school or college, these kids were more than likely going to be you know, the ones who'd end up in the, pro- the pros or be all-stars and professionals, mm. all that kind of stuff, right? Okay, why? Because you give attention to the kids who are more, uh, can more easily take in the information, right? Yeah. So I wonder if in the schools, the system isn't stacked more towards girls now. And so boys are end up, you know, on Ritalin or they end up, you know, more discipline problems and the girls get a little bit more attention because we've just kind of shifted it rather than saying, how can we serve both genders equally? Yeah. We're now kind of skewing the other way. I don't know. Well, and I mean, I, I, I would definitely concur with that because as remembering what I had to go through, especially when I hit middle school was, you know, I was on the Ritalin because my brain just couldn't focus. Sure. You know? Well, couldn't um, focus in that environment. Yeah, it couldn't focus. No, I couldn't. Right. You would put me out on the playground or put a guitar in my hands, you know, or something to do with music, something that I loved, something that was creative and constructive. Like, yeah, I was in it to win it. Like, that's where my brain was. Right. Um, but then you put a full sheet of math in front of me. And I am going to drool all over it because I'm still trying to figure out problem one. Right. You know? Yeah, I also um, struggled with the math. You know? Yeah. But and and again, it's not it's it's not to say that it's you know, we're saying that oh guys have it so hard now. But I but I think the question should be is, you know, like have we have we not found the balance when the goal was to find the balance for equality between men and women in the sense of like like certain work environments or classroom or um, it's definitely, I think, shifted in the other direction because all boys are icky. Yeah. I, you know, and again, I don't, I don't think, I think sometimes we get into feminism or, or I don't know, what would you call it? Like masculinism? I don't know. But, you know, why can't we just have human, like, like work together? Yeah. You know what I mean, so anyway, just, it's just something interesting. The other thing I thought interesting about this kind of look at our millennials, <laughs> and, and I know you dear millennials hate millennials. millennials. I could care less. Um, um, is veteran status. 48% of the greatest generation were veterans. And, and again, you had two world wars, you know what I mean? And so you had World War One, World War Two, So that kind of would catch all of them. Um, and then you all, oh, and then, okay, World War One, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam. I mean, you had a lot going on. Well, between um, the 40s and the late 60s, early 70s. It was war constantly. There was war constantly. Right, and then the there was that gap yeah. until the Gulf. Right. And so your boomers are going to be more caught by the draft in Vietnam. But, but so you have 48% of that greatest generation were vets. 4% of millennials uh, are, are, are vets. Well, yeah, that's not surprising. 
No, it's not. I mean, part of it's just a weird or not. You know, you had the 60s happen, and I think you had the vilification of the U.S. military. Yeah. You know, um, but it, it is just interesting to see how, how does that affect uh, patriotism? How does that affect, you know, our, our view of the world and, you know, all those things? Interesting. Well, and I think it's really funny the term, I'm moving to Canada. Oh my gosh, dude! Just look at Canada; it's a freaking mess. <laughs> but I th- but I, but again, I think that actually came along with my with my generation, with the millennial generation. Uh, it's been going on. But Bill Clinton really? was elected. People were going really? to Canada. I mean, it, but it, like, it, so anytime there's a Republican elected, all the liberals are like, "We're going oh, to Canada," and, you know. And then all the Republicans are like. Okay. Yeah, well, seriously. I mean, but, but what was really dumb is I remember when Obama was elected, I think the second time I saw Republicans putting like, we're going to Canada, like young kind of, yeah. and you're like, you're an idiot because it's socialism. It's socialism, yeah. Ow, man, Canada is so jacked up. They're so further down the road as far as just um, that state-sponsored, you know, immorality, yeah. abortion and, and gender identity stuff. And yeah, yeah. Man, so, and I love my Canadian brothers and sisters. I absolutely do. I love But I the love country them. as a whole. Well, it's social stuff. Yeah. There's some issues yeah. there. You know, Toronto right now <clears throat> has got, or pardon me, Ontario right now has some terrible things going on with their sex education in classrooms. Mm. Yeah, anyway. Bummer. A lot of challenges oh. up in the, uh, in Canada. So, but hey, it, I think, yeah. but like coming back to to the the current topic of, I think a lot of that has to do. So like, if if you're a millennial and you're and you have older parents, say in their early sixties, late fifties, they're going to have the experience of, um, having grown up with parents that were heavily involved in the sixties, especially with Vietnam and. And all a lot of that stuff, and so like my mom, um, she's not anti-gun, but because of just growing up in the '60s, mm-hmm. her want to keep the peace, you know, um, and and not be for war, not anybody, not that anybody should be for war, um, was was higher, you right. know, it was it was definitely much more. So we're getting um, a a bunch of uh, gen- basically a generation that has grown up where um, anything that can hurt somebody if used improperly is bad. Mm-hmm. When I think there's, you know, you're, if you grew up, you, you know, if you're a boomer, you grew up during the civil rights movement. We we saw, you know, how how Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement used nonviolence to change our country, right? Um, and for the better, absolutely for the better, you know, and obviously that was, you know, looking at Gandhi and how Gandhi used nonviolence to change India, you know, for the better. And so we, you know, I think that, I think we have this generation of post, um, or of millennials, let's say it, who look at the great movements like the civil rights movement and they say, we want to do something cool like that too, right? And, and you know, but who's the bad guy there, you know? And so they have to kind of make this idea that the, that, that the bad guy, everything is oppressed, you know? And so they're, they're fighting for this, these great rights. And um, the problem is, you know, you, things like gender identity that there's not, okay. So civil rights for African-Americans makes a lot more, more sense, sense yeah. than a dude saying, I want to be a woman or a woman saying they want to be a dude. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, there's just a lot, there's just, there's a whole lot there that is, I don't think you can equate the two and to call the one a civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. We kind of got far afield on that. Hey, Vinny, where do you think the most Catholic places in the United States are? The most Catholic? The most Catholic city in the United States. The most Catholic city in the United States. Um, I would say somewhere in the Midwest. You would. Um, I'm still. I'm still praying that 
some family takes over Utah. Yeah, as that's a whole. Be us. We're, as I keep having kids, we'll be able to dominate that <laughs> state soon. Um, okay, so I was going to say like Texas. The top city percentage-wise, Lafayette, Louisiana. La- Louisiana? Louisiana, 50% Catholic. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, so that is our... Wow, our, that, I would not have expected that out. I, I would know. not. Our most Catholic city is Lafayette, then followed by the Harlington, West, Laco, Brownsville, McAllen, Texas area. Gesundheit. And seriously, man. Then El Paso, Las Cruces, Texas. Then Corpus Christi, Texas. That's why every So time, then it would be Texas. That's why every time you go to a youth conference and you, and you go, where's everybody from? Who's from California? And they're like, yeah, yeah people from Minnesota. Texas. Yeah, Texas. <laughs> Because well, that's where we all yeah. are apparently. Um, wow, Texas really is. Did the Vatican claim Texas? Apparently, <laughs> I mean, and we're talking big numbers too. Lafayette, uh, probably uh, that the first combination of Harlington, West Laco, Brownsville, McAllen, forty-two percent, El Paso, Las Cruces, forty-one percent, Corpus Christi, thirty-nine percent, and then randomly we jump to Providence, Rhode Island, New Bedford, Massachusetts. I guess that's one, uh, and that's thirty-nine percent. Rhode Island, jumping Rhode from Island. Rhode Island, yeah, kind of that from the bottom <laughs> of the country, yeah, to kind of way up in the corner, yeah. So just interesting. Wow. Yeah, you know, Texas, I kind of saw coming because I've been, I've done, you know, ministry out yeah. in Texas, and and actually Louisiana, I'm not super surprised. Um, just having run into a lot of, I am. Catholics. I figured there would be more like evangelical or well, you know, it's Baptist along and that the, part and the of the Cajuns country. Tend to be more Catholic, you know, and that's what's interesting is they they were Catholics who immigrated from Canada actually all the way down to to the um, to the Bayou. I so did Cajuns, not know that. Yeah, I know. I've hung out with my share of Canadians and Cajuns. Wow. So Tell you, tell so you, you are more of an expert than I am. I, not, not really. But anyway, I thought that was interesting stuff. You know, that we're looking at where where are the Catholics in the world? If you're looking to move into a very Catholic place with fantastic food, I would say Lafayette. Oh man, Louisiana. I, if I had the money, I would move now. If you like your air with texture, this is very true. Very true. Can't I don't I don't do well with humidity. Uh, I'll, I'll put up with it, but I don't want to step out of the shower and already feel like I'm swimming. Yeah, no. You know? I mean, it's just okay. I will say this. And this is not to bash on any place. I'm just saying that in those thicker parts of the world um, or a country, people smell worse. <laughs> just saying it. No, it's take public transit in, in in Los Angeles compared to tub- public transit in in a more humid place. Maybe not LA. LA is gross. Take public transit in San, yeah, Diego, San Diego compared to a more mm-hmm. humid place, and you will. There's a little, or even in Phoenix, which is mm-hmm. the sun, which is the surface of the sun, compared to like a humid place like South Carolina. And I Ooh, guarantee you, yeah, it will be better in uh, in uh, Phoenix. Phoenix. There you go. But I, I was also going to say, depending on what part of San Diego you're in. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's true. Anywhere, depending on what part you're Pacific in. Pacific Beach. All right. Saying. So, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of Texas, um, I don't know if you've been following along with this, but Austin has has it, its fourth bombing uh, in the last two weeks. <sighs> that's crazy. Let's not get as much. I mean, and, and I don't have cable, so I don't watch cable Same. news. Well, so that's like, so unless maybe, it's yeah. on my phone. Like, But, but I listen to a fair amount of radio because, you know, I live in the 1920s. Um, and I just haven't heard that much about it. You know, and it's it's funny. You're like, you'll hear mention of oh, another bombing in, in Austin, but... It's crazy. So, you know, we're all like, we're all in this Amazon Prime world that we live in now where everything's, you know, delivered to your doorstep, which is amazing. Um, well, that was the bomber's method there. He was leaving packages on doorsteps. On the 8th? I said what now? Uh, on the 8th, right? That was the first one? I have no idea. 
I, I know, I think it was last week. I remember listening to it in the car with the kids about the story. But so we had two packages last week, I believe. Um, and I remember when the, if initially happened, the, the police said they were related, which I initially thought, okay, well, maybe this is like a, a gang war mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, but it seems as if they have now spread and the bomber has actually changed the mode of operation from a package now to a tripwire bomb. Yeah, with yesterday's. Yeah. With the 18th. Yeah. Sunday the 18th. That's some seriously scary stuff. Man. That means this, that means this person's smart enough. You know? Yeah. Like they, reading the article, they said that this, you know, they're, they are now saying that this is a serial bomber. Serial bomber. Like, Which would be awesome if that included cereal, but it but doesn't. it's not. No, like, it's, it's it's much worse. Kind of cereal, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, and so I, I think there's that question of how do you, how do you, how do you deal with that kind of a situation? Obviously, I'm not in in Austin. I have some friends in Austin. Um, I, I just imagine there's got to be a certain amount of fear um, with that. You know. Well, yeah, because now you're not trusting anybody because nobody knows who this guy is. Who nobody these knows who it is. And, people and like, you know, with his packages, you just don't, you just, you know, you don't pick up packages, right? Mm-hmm. But now it's, it's this tripwire thing. You wonder what. I think that kind of goes to a broader question. Have we been living in this post 9-11 world for a long time where terrorism used to feel far away and distant? But, I mean, we had the San Bernardino shooting here out in California. We've had... You know, uh, uh, far too many school shootings, the Parkland shooting, the most recent. Um, we, we've had, you know, whether that be terrorist attacks or disturbed kind of mentally ill people um, or now this kind of serial bomber. It seems like more and more we're living in a world where bad stuff just happens. happens. Um, and, you know, interestingly, uh, I believe it was Barna did a study recently and what they found was Generation Z, going back to the Generations mm-hmm. thing, or is it Z? Y, Y, X. I don't know. What? No, Z. We're in Z, right? Okay, yeah, Z. Um, 29% said they can't believe in God. And these are you know high school students. Yeah. Because of the problem of evil, right? Because evil is in the world, they have a hard time believing in an all-loving, all-powerful God. Um, and, and I think things like school shootings and terrorism and... Um, serial bombers, you know, uh, are one of those issues. I, it's funny. I've never really had an issue. I mean, okay. As a, a person raised in the church, I've never really, um, the problem of evil has never been a problem for me because I understand that man is fallen and broken mm-hmm. and has free will. Right. So, so for instance, like, um, I have, I can freely choose to follow and, and love the Lord and live my life in a moral and upright way. You can freely choose not to. And unfortunately, your freedom is going to affect mine, right? And so if you choose to disregard the social contract and start making bombs, and I think if if we're going to speculate on who uh, in the morning, afternoon morning show would be doing, it probably would be Vinny. Um, I'm not going to say I wouldn't. I know. Things that go boom are fun. Things that go boom are fun. Uh, But... You know, but I, but again, I, I don't, I don't go, oh, there can't be a God because Vinny bombed yeah. stuff, you know, like that just doesn't, I, I think I don't want a God who's going to bind my arms and legs yeah. and say, you will love me um, because that's not love. You know, it's some kind of cosmic rape and I don't think God's He's down not, yeah. for that. You yeah. Know? Well, and I, I think, I think for, for a good chunk of this generation, the generation Z that's right. Generation Z. Z. Um, 
there's always something to blame. And I think God is the biggest one because you can't like see him tangibly the way we see each other. Right. You know, so there's, there's this scapegoat. We're always looking for the scapegoat for, for something. So like, I think it's just the easiest instead of banning together and going, I bet we can make the world a better place just by being better people. Yeah. But it's, it's such a, it's such an ignorant view of history to think that, um, that people on their own make a better, more just society. Cause you look at like ancient Rome and you go, well, that's people doing the best yeah, they can. Yeah. And it, it kind of sucked. Yeah. Uh, or ancient Greece, not so good. Oh, the Aztecs. No, that was bad too. Mayans. Eh, no, I don't want to live there either. You know what I mean? Okay. What about native Americans? Nope. nope. You know? And so, well, yeah. And like, even with the native Americans there, they were still struggling and you know, whether, whether you look at it or not of oppression or, or not for the native Americans, when the Spaniards, when the Catholic church got there, there were definitely parts where God came in and you're seeing the spread and growth of, of certain communities. Yeah. Like until things, anyways. Well, but it's interesting, you know, you look at, okay, so where in our, where in human history have we seen a godless, quote unquote, godless society? Um, one, it's very rare because there are very few instances, at least in the ancient world, where they said there are no gods or God, mm. right? Um, and so we have to look in modern times, which would be the Soviet Union or China or North Korea. Any place where the government has dictated what everybody believes and what they do. Or revolutionary France, right? You know, these, mm-hmm. and so these are parts of, these are things we're saying, no, no, people are going to be, like the people will be God in, in essence, yeah. right? Well, revolutionary France, uh, you know, we they they didn't turn out well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the sphere of who we're killing just got bigger and bigger. Um, you know, you, the, you look at what was done uh, in the name of the state, a godless state in, in the Soviet Union under Stalin and in, uh, you know, and, and you go, oh my gosh, it's horrifying. Or under Mao in China, and you go, it's horrifying. And you go, well, gosh, um, the problem of evil, I, I think evil happens with or without God because men are terrible. Yeah. Um, and I think when we look at, well, let's look at what the, the fruit of Christianity has been. And what we're going to see is a continual march towards civi- civility over the thousands. You know, it per- did it happen instantly? Did you go, oh, well, Jesus came yeah. and now the entire world has been converted and everything? No. Um, and even in Christian nations, terrible things happen. But what we've seen is a steady march towards human rights. We've seen a steady march toward personal freedom. Yeah. We've seen a, a steady march toward the recon, the recognizing of individual dignity, which is is which is the gospel yeah. being you know taught. I, so I you know I, I, it's just such a very short sighted view of history to say well I can't believe in God because there's evil in the world. I don't know. Well, just, even even taking the point that you were just talking about was you going back to um, Martin Luther King, right? That man openly spoke about God's providence in in how the nation works together, right? Yeah. Like, like he was he was a Christian. The oh, man openly was, spoke. Well, he about was the God. Reverend, exactly, Doctor Martin. You know, King, like you know. But but now to openly do that, you are going to get told to sit down. Oh yeah, well it's you know? like when Chris Pratt said he's going to pray for Kevin Smith, and then everybody jumped on him. Oh yeah, because how dare you? And you know, like, uh, 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 it's just uh, right. like and, and and so that the whole script has been flipped, you know. So like, so people and, and the, the argument is always, you know, well, I don't believe in God, so don't tell me about God. But yeah, I'm going to tell you why there isn't a God. Right. 
When you look at things like the U.S. Constitution or the Declaration of Independence, you know, they're unimaginable without um, inalienable rights that were granted by God. Yeah. Right. Uh, so anyway, I, you know, that, that idea of the problem of evil, I, I just think and I think there's another thing in that, though. I think there's an indictment for the church where we just have I, I don't I think that I have two two problems in the church okay. that, that lead to this. One, we talk about an omnipotent God. Right. But we don't ever really teach people how to get to know him. So, mm. so, okay. you know, and again, this is, and maybe this is just a Catholic problem. I don't know, but you can go to mass. You could go to mass every single Sunday, your whole life. And you could, it is conceivable that you never learned how to have a relationship with God. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you could go to catechism and, and you may never learn how to have a relationship with God. So we talk about this very intimate God, Abba, Father, Daddy, God, right. But no one ever teaches how to, to, to access him, you know, uh, and, and two, um, we, we treat him like this, basically most, I think, Catholics operate like agnostics where we say that we believe in God, but we don't expect him to be moving or active in our lives until something goes wrong. And then we blame him. Yeah. Right. But I mean, so you don't, so we, we, you know, and so I think as a, as a young person growing up in a, in a family of faith in a Catholic family, <clears throat> you see the practice kind of going through the motions, but where do you see, where do you see a dependence on God's faithfulness? Mm. You know, where do you, where do you see the supernatural God being allowed to move in supernatural ways? You know, and is there any expectation of that? Has anyone ever taught you um, how, how to, to, to live in the supernatural life of the spirit that we were given? And so Mm -hmm. you get to a point where you go, well, of course I can't believe it. I don't believe in fairy tales. And it seems like fairy tales because that is as much as you've ever seen in practice. Right. Well, I mean, like, why, why wouldn't you see it as a fairy tale? When you're reading from a book, but you haven't been given the opportunity or shown, like you had said, to access that relationship. So, yeah, it looks like a fairy tale if you're standing on the outside. Right. You know, so why why are you supposed to read the Bible? If you ask most young people growing up in the church. Because we were told to. Because we're supposed to. And and to learn about God. Right. Well, uh, that's no, that's philosophy. That's, you know, you're not supposed to to read it to learn about God. You're supposed to read it to encounter God. Uh, and, you know, are we encountering God? Uh, you know, I, I just think these are, you know, I think those are some issues. And so, yeah, I think that's how you can get to the point where if God isn't real, you don't have a relationship with him. You don't know him. You've never been taught about his faithfulness. You've never seen that in action. And then bad stuff happens. You go, well, you say he's all loving, he's all powerful, he's all present. I've seen none of that demonstrated. And yet bad crap keeps happening. Yeah. So I don't think he exists. Yeah, which... Yeah, they, within the the last several months, I mean, it hasn't helped the cause yeah. at all either. With just all the stuff that's been going on, yeah, you know. The, all right, all right maybe we are crossing over to the forty minute mark at this point. We're coming in there, so why don't you give us something positive to end with, Vinny? What what's some worship music we need to be listening to, or you think could enrich uh, the week? Um, I am currently, um, what I'm going to suggest music wise. So I'm still listening to, uh, King's Kaleidoscope, uh, the beauty between, um, it's a more, it's a very kind of eclectic kind of New York style beat that we're getting from King's Kaleidoscope, which is different, um, from past stuff. Um, so I suggest that if you're looking for something to drive to in the morning, um, and then a buddy of mine, um, showed me 
um, Elevation Collective, which is a, a group from Elevation Worship, but it's the gospel versions of their stuff, which I'm actually kind of enjoying because okay. there's so much prayer and passion behind it. Um, and then the the one song um, that uh, actually, if you guys have ever heard of Francis Cabildo, go check out his stuff and go support him because he's in the process of working on album number two. Yeah, dude, check out Francis. So Francis Cabildo, he's awesome. Um, go buy his stuff. I would also just suggest his stuff. Um, and he's amazing. I love him. Um, but uh, Surrounded, Fight My Battles, super repetitive. But when you're just in that one spot, you're just like, it's a little corny at first. But then at some point, you're kind of like, slow burn. Okay. Cool. Nice. All right. So I'll just keep chipping away at you. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been the Afternoon Morning Show. We will catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye.